This reading uses various images to illustrate how damaging and hurtful the way we speak to and about others can be. Not only are we to control our speech, but what we say and how we say it is to reflect our faith. The second reading is from James, the third chapter. Not many of you who should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of the horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark in the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And when Jesus, Peter, James, and John came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And when it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, 
This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, we heard a pretty harsh lesson from uh, James's letter this morning where he talks about the power of the tongue and how it can be constructive and destructive, how it can heal and it can hurt, how it can do all kinds of damage to people in their lives, but at the same time, it can build people up. And probably all of you have experienced at some point uh, hearing something that was really, really hurtful. Or maybe hearing somebody talk about somebody else in a way that was hurtful. And who knows, maybe you've even done it yourself. I suppose all of us have had times when our tongue worked a whole lot faster than our brain or our heart. And so James tackled that because, well, remember, um, I guess it was last week or the week before when Jesus was saying it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, it's what comes out. Well, that applies to our tongue, too. And what we say can have an influence not only on us, but on other people. So it's pretty serious what he was saying. And, and all of us can probably do a better job of handling our tongues. But then I thought, oh, that lesson where Isaiah starts talking and he says, the sovereign Lord has given me, in my translation, has given me a well-instructed tongue. I just thought that was an interesting way to uh, describe it, to describe his tongue. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Isaiah knew that he had a word to bring, that he had a word to bring and that it came from the Lord. And there were two parts to this word that he brought. One was a word of, of judgment and warning because he's speaking to the people of Israel when the northern part of the kingdom has already been invaded and already been taken over. And the reason is, and this is what Isaiah's message is on that side of it, his message is that you have turned away from God, that you have gone after other gods, that you have begun to ignore the orphan and the widow and the poor and the oppressed that are in your midst, and you don't seem to care about any of that stuff anymore, that you're not following what God wants. And so there's this word that Isaiah has been given, a word of condemnation against the people, and a word of warning, because in about 120 years, the same thing ends up happening to the southern part of the kingdom when they get carried off as well, because ultimately they didn't listen. But then there's another side to that word that Isaiah was given. He says, He's given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. There was also a word of encouragement for those who were suffering, for those that were hurt, for those that were losing hope that God even cared about him anymore or that there would ever be any kind of deliverance. 
And so Isaiah was also given that word to share so that the people could at least have some hope and so that they could be lifted up. And so he brings that word. Well, in the gospel lesson today, Jesus and Peter, James, and John, they're coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. So they've just had this great mountaintop experience. You know, they're all excited. They're remembering it, probably talking about it on the way back and, and still basking in the glory of what happened up there. And they get back down to where the other disciples were, and there's this huge commotion going on. And a, a lot of bad words, a lot of tongue lashings, finger pointing and stuff. And the disciples had gotten into it with the scribes, who were the Jewish the, the people really focused on the law. And then they had this thing going on and there's this big crowd and, and Jesus comes, comes up to him and he says, what, what are y'all arguing about? Well, I don't think he said y'all. Maybe, maybe whatever the Aramaic equivalent of that is. But, you know, what are y'all arguing about? And then the, they come over to Jesus and they were says they were amazed. You kind of wonder if there was still a little bit of that glow from the mountain still on him or something. Somehow when they saw him, they were amazed. And they all started gathering around and telling him, you know, about what was going on. And this one man comes out of the crowd and says, I brought my son to your disciples to cast out this spirit that is just taken, you know, over in him since he was little. And they couldn't do it. And so I imagine the scribes probably had jumped on that opportunity to, to say, yeah, well, you guys think you're so great, you know, and your teacher is so great and everything. And look at it. You can't even cast a demon out, you know, a, a spirit out. You can't do it. And that probably started it. And then the disciples reacted. And you know how things can escalate. And then the crowd gets involved. And that was the commotion. So Jesus said, said to the man, he says, well, bring bring the boy to me. And of course, as soon as he comes, he goes into one of these things. And uh, Jesus said, so how long has he been like this? And the man said, since he was a child. It comes on him and it seizes him and he can't talk and he gets all rigid. It's thrown him into the fire. It's thrown him into the water like it wants to destroy him, take his life away. If you can do anything, please help. Well, Jesus had already gotten on the crowd when, when they said they couldn't do it. He jumped right on the faith issue right away. He said, you unbelieving people, how long am I going to have to hang out with you? How long am I going to have to put up with all this stuff? You don't believe. And then when the man says, if you can heal him, please do something. And Jesus says, and Jesus is getting in her face. He says, What do you mean, if you can? Anything's possible for someone who believes. For Jesus, this whole situation was a faith issue. It was about who do you trust? Who do you believe? Who are you willing to follow? That's what it came down to. And so then the man said, Lord, I believe but help that part of me that doesn't. That's the root of the struggle right there. I believe, but 
there's a part of me that doesn't. And I really think that that's probably true for every one of us. I believe that God is going to help me with whatever. But then there's that part that says, but is he really going to? Or why doesn't he? Or why does he wait? The seeds of doubt are always there inside of us. We always struggle. Yeah, I believe Jesus died for my sins. Well, really, my sins? All of them? Everything that I've ever thought or said or done? It's all included? And there's that little seed of doubt. We're not any different than the man in the story. I believe. Mostly. So then Jesus says, well, bring him to me. And and he heals him. And then he goes into the house and his disciples go in there with him. And they said, so why couldn't we do it? And then Jesus said, the way the the NIV reads, he says, this kind, talking about that spirit or whatever, this kind can come out only by prayer. Jesus was talking about something that was, was evil in this boy. Now, you know, we might say, well, he had epilepsy or, you know, this, that or whatever, you know. But Jesus saw it as a spirit. And whether it was driving out a spirit or healing, and Jesus healed him on the spot. But Jesus said that this kind, this evil, was trying to destroy him. Throw him in the fire. Throw him in the water. Take his life. Get rid of him. Kill him. And that's the way Jesus saw it. And... He said, that can only come out by prayer. Only by prayer. And there's an evil that would like to take us too. There's an evil that wants to take us over, that wants to destroy us, that wants to take our life, that wants to end our relationship with God and end it forever. And we can't do anything about it by ourselves. Just like the disciples on their own power, which is probably what they were trying to do, couldn't heal this boy. We can't deal with the evil that would like to destroy us either. Not on our own power. It's only by Christ's power because Christ is the one we know that has already defeated it. That already has the power over it. We can't do it on our own power It's Christ's power. And Christ's power is accessed only by prayer. Only by prayer. The only way to overcome that evil that wants to destroy us and take us over can only be done by prayer. And so we come before God in our lives in prayer and ask him for power and for strength. I want you to uh, look again at our confession this morning. 
when it talks about the two parts of confession. First, that we confess. Second, that we receive absolution. And the last part of that says, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it, confession and absolution, our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. All of them. Not some of them. Not the easy ones. All of them. But it's about believing. And then, when we got down to just before the announcement of absolution, these words from Jesus are quoted, let it be done for you as you believe. So when we came before God and asked yourself, did you really believe that when the announcement of forgiveness came that you truly were forgiven? That everything was absolved that every sin was absolved and that you were 100% innocent in the sight of God because of the power of Christ. Did you believe that? Or does the struggle go on and there's maybe a part that says, hmm, I wonder. By prayer, we access the power to defeat the evil, not only for the forgiveness of sins, but for every area of our lives, for every struggle that we face, for everything that may come against us, for everything that may want to destroy us or even make our life difficult. It's by prayer that we access the power of God in order to be able to deal with that.